Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everybody. Today we are discussing Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 1, The Worst Birthday. Welcome to Season 3, Book 2. It's amazing. I am your host, Madison. And I'm your host, Rebecca. Here we are. Book 2. We did it. We did it. We're <laughs> <Yep>. done. <laughs> That's it, everyone. Thanks. <laughs> um... This has been, book one was great, and I'm very excited to start reading book two now. Like, I just, even though we'll, you know, we'll talk about our feelings about the start of this book, but overall, this book is very enjoyable, so. It is. The first two books are my favorite, because mm-hmm. it's all just, I mean, there's definitely conflict, but it's not as, like, life or death conflict <laughs> all yes. the time. There's just like cute things and like there's funny cute things in all of them, but like the proportions <laughs> are better in the first couple of books. Yes. Just because, you know, kids are younger. It's just, it's more fun. Cuteness intensity is high in these books and that, yes. you know, that's important because um, still terrible things are happening all around. So we need that balance. Yeah. And there's less, um, less angst. We haven't hit uh, puberty yes. yet, so. <laughs> uh, the angst will come and we will deal with it when it does but for now everybody's just uh wanting to eat candy and honestly same so yeah so uh let's get started with our myspace top eight for harry potter who would be his myspace top eight in this chapter and the pickings are slim <laughs> yes we actually have um, less than eight yes. identifiable characters, really. Um, but we're going to make yeah. it work. I think in actuality, on Harry's top eight, he would just um, change his uh, his layout on his MySpace page to be like a top four. Mm, okay. But I think we should do the top eight anyway. Just mm, consistency. Because consistency. Um, so Ron and Hermione, um, the Dursleys, Hedwig... And the only other characters we kind of see are the Masons and Dobby's eyes. So, so far, the Masons have not actually arrived. Correct. <laughs> um, but they are talked about more than Harry's friends. So. <laughs> um, and then we have some eyes in a bush watching yes. us, which is always a good time. Um, I personally think Hedwig needs to be number one. Totally agreed with that. I think Hedwig is just an awesome friend for Harry the entire time. I disagree with some choices that were made in later books about Hedwig, mm-hmm. but I won't get into that <laughs> yet. Uh, <laughs> Hedwig is his only friend that is actually with him right mm-hmm. now. And so far, he does not know the reason that his friends haven't written to him. He thinks they've like possibly forgotten about him or something, so... Hedwig is with him, and even if Hedwig is a little grumpy, Hedwig is pissing off Vernon, which is always a good thing. So, I would do Hedwig for number one. Yeah, I definitely agree. Hedwig is... Harry's actively advocating for Hedwig here, and, mm-hmm. you know, who wouldn't put, like... If I could put Ellie as my number one, I would do that. She didn't have a MySpace mm-hmm. page, because she wasn't born until 2014. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's a, it would be the same as like making Instagram pages for yeah. friends. Oh man. Which I've done for 
several. <laughs> Imagine a like if Instagram had a top eight feature. That'd be so toxic. It would be. I think any sort of top anything right now would be toxic. I think it was great for the time it totally. was. And it was great for MySpace because MySpace was so weird. It, I think it was the first real, like... It was before people knew how to be awful with social exactly. media. It was kind of just genuine. It, yeah, it was a good time for it. And then... As much as I hate to say it, I think it was a good time that it kind of disappeared. Yeah. Because I would have hated to see it, like, change. And it has changed, but, like, nobody uses it anymore. <laughs> so it's right. fine. <laughs> oh, I do. It does make me kind of wonder if, like, because, you know, I think everybody has those moments where they're like, ugh, I should just get rid of social media. But should mm-hmm. I just, should I just have a MySpace instead of everything else? Like, if you want to find me online, you can find me on MySpace. Yeah. You have to, like, really want to be my friend if you're going to be my friend on MySpace. <laughs> so, Hedwig is number one. And do we feel like Ron and Hermione would still be chugging it out at those solid number two and three spots? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think so, too. I don't think... I feel like he would think moving them out of those spots because he was grumpy with them might anger them and make them more mad at him if they were already mad. So, Yeah, I think that Harry has such a small support system that I don't think he would consider knocking them out. And I also think that um, he's really not used to having friends. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he's expecting that much of them yet that will change (laughs) but at this point i I don't think that he's i think he's pretty insecure still with friendships Mm -hmm. so totally this is the real question i think for this is what order are the dursleys in this situation um or do the masons and dobby's eyes rank higher than the dursleys i would rate um the eyes in the bush higher okay personally because they're they're interesting Mm -hmm. they're fun they invite some fun little um (laughs) jokes with dudley absolutely um it's just all together a good time with the the bush that is staring at us so i'd go with that one i I think i could see harry on myspace just being like (laughs) let's put them first that'd be funny (laughs) because then dudley's gonna look at this and see he's gonna be like (laughs) (laughs) the eyes in the bush gave harry a great time made make dudley mad which would make harry happy i Mm -hmm. fully endorse this ranking perfect so we have hedwig ron hermione bush (laughs) i think that's a solid top agreed (laughs) and he could throw the dursleys in any order because they pretty much are all shits to him in one way or another during this chapter so mm-hmm. i would say probably dudley petunia vernon mm-hmm. although Ver- petunia did try and hit him with a frying pan yeah she did and i still somehow think she's better than vernon because i mean it's not okay but like there is the distinct yeah. possibility that she wasn't really trying to hit him that she was yeah. just you know being violent for funsies um mm-hmm. 
and I mean, yeah, yeah she if she had really wanted to hit him, I think her reaction would have been different when he ducked out. Yeah, of the way. Um, which we'll get more into that as we go along. <laughs> but yeah. uh, no, I I agree. Something still is worse about Vernon in this situation. So yeah, I mean. Vernon definitely takes his, like, man-of-the-household role very seriously. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's almost like um, Dudley and Petunia seem like an extension of him, mm-hmm. less than, like, their own kind of terrible. Totally. People. So that puts us with Hedwig, Ron, Hermione, Bush, Dudley, Petunia, Vernon. And I guess we could... And then that would put them. Yeah, they can they can have their mutual uh, aunt and uncle profile together. Aren't they aunts and uncles? No, I was just thinking about like an aunt and uncle, like your cool aunt and uncle who have a joint MySpace account and (laughs) (laughs) take pictures of their fun parties where they smoke weed with, uh, (laughs) you know, cool people. Well, that's a solid top eight. It's a top eight. <laughs> it for is. Sure. It, it's the only top eight we could have really had for this chapter. Um, man. All right. I think that puts us into the chapter. Yes. So, um, in this first chapter here, there's not there's not a lot of Patronus fuel because we're not really working with a lot plot wise or even page wise. Like it's like a ten page chapter. It's very much just an introduction to what we've already been through, mm-hmm. which. You know, if you're waiting, you know, if it's been a little while between books and you're a child, that's super helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. And in Harry's weeks between leaving Hogwarts and returning to the Dursleys, it seems like we see a much bolder, sassier, quippier Harry than we saw in Sorcerer's Stone. Um, Hocus pocus squiggly wiggly. (laughs) I love Harry being sassy and it always makes me happy. So solid fuel yeah i think he definitely got some confidence from hogwarts which is great because he had like Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i think he's always been a little bit of a snarky kid but um he definitely (laughs) definitely is slowly improving on that yes definitely ah harry bless him bless I, I would honestly be laughing too. I, I was I was laughing at their whole like, all right, let's set up the what the evening is gonna look like and just picturing Dudley like Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was laughing. Uh, his little paper about how I was like, I wrote about you as my hero. <laughs> like it's so cheesy. It's terrible. I know. And I like and I kind of I did enjoy that part of the chapter. That that was that was fun mm. to read and Oh, they just there's it it reads like a comedy of errors kind of play where it would be such a great like one act to watch where you have these actors and they're having the dinner and then you as the audience can see off stage Harry dealing with this little goblin elf thing, you know, and <laughs> making noise and them trying to play it off to the masons. Like I would watch that play. That would be fun. Yes. I'm very excited mm-hmm. for that. Tickets go on sale in uh 24 24- minutes <laughs> so so we get some some sassier happier i don't know about happier necessarily but we're he's, he's more yeah. confident um and he's 
finally got something to look forward to. He doesn't feel as much like he's just going to be trapped with the Dursleys forever. Um, in the last book, we had him like talking about the Muggle high school he was going to go to, and or middle school, whatever it was. Harry does seem... He feels, you know what it is? It's like, if I murdered a man with my bare hands, I'd be a lot less afraid of my <laughs> uncle, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, watch out, bitch. I got fire hands. Like, <laughs> he never asked anybody, like, what was up with no. that, right? Did Dumbledore explain He, he basically that? said, like, no, a, a man so evil could not bear to touch somebody with something so b- good running through their veins. And Harry never thought to ask, hey, can that happen to anybody right? else? Like, how, what are the mechanics of this? Because it feels important if I ever touch anybody ever in my whole life, so. Yeah, like, could he just go around touching people and if he burns me, he's like, that one's mm-hmm. evil. We don't want an X-Men situation here, okay? Like. <laughs> it's just, it seems like something that should have been explored mm-hmm. more. I definitely agree. All right. Enchantingly nasty. Yes. What did we not Ugh, like? So much. But <laughs> drumroll for the return of talking about people's necks. Oh, it's back. It's back. <laughs> you thought we were done. Oh no. We thought we were done too. <laughs> we did. We saw that. I don't know why. Like, oh, are you? I, I didn't. It's, it wasn't like oh, and then Uncle Vernon, whose neck was blah 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 blah. We just get the one word necklace necklace <laughs> it's l-e-s-s necklace yes um which is that even a real word did she just make it, that up just for it this? is now it's it's just it. invented for vernon because it is integral to his character that he does not have any neck <sighs> and we also get some sort of derisive comments about dudley's size him being fat um and we have a lot of talking about his diet. Yeah, which is a step beyond where we were last time. And it's mm-hmm. it's sad to see that like we're just starting to go up the steps of all the horrible stuff that's going to be said about Dudley over the next few books. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously Dudley's not the best brother in the world, no. even though he's not really brother. But, you know, he's not the greatest character. Right. But there are a million reasons that you could list for him not being, you know, a good friend mm-hmm. to Harry without talking about his right. body. Except apparently some people don't know how to write books <laughs> about mean children without calling them fat. Right. And like, it's another one of those things where it's like, you could blame it on this being Harry's perspective, you know, and Harry, why would Harry be evolved enough to not think about somebody that way? Well, because... You can, because you're the author. So you are deciding. Because there's nothing done to counter it in any way and make it seem like Harry may be overreacting. Or or not overreacting. Um, that Harry may be being cruel or something. Yeah. Because we're supposed to... I mean, Harry's our, our narrator right. for this. So we're seeing this all from his point of view. Obviously, his point of view is not always you know, the best, and it doesn't need to be. You can have unlikable characters in a book, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But when it's for children, maybe you shouldn't put as many things that are as destruction or destructive for children yes. to read. 
and reading about things like um, using food for punishment and body shaming and um, making jokes about children's weights. It's all not good <laughs> and it should not be in a book for children. No, especially the like withholding the the way food is talked about feels like the beginning of like a weird because usually i feel like the relationship with food is fine it's like yeah feasts it's gonna be delicious it's gonna be amazing and yeah here at the dursleys we get this like uh no we're gonna withhold food and to punish you and now dudley's gonna eat too much food because he's terrible and there's all of this like moral binary associated with food in a way that is not attached to reality whatsoever yeah well and also so um with the withholding food so what happens is that harry's told that he can't eat until he's done with all of these tasks that he needs to do and then when he's done he gets given was it plain bread and some cheese yeah and then he's sent to his room so that's already kind of putting in place the idea that um that you know if you're not being good you should only have like this small amount mm-hmm. of food um and obviously we're not taking parenting advice from the dursleys and no one's suggesting that this is a good thing to happen but it does kind of put that like seed in kids brains of just like if you're not good you should yeah. eat um and then even when kids do eat so whenever dudley's wanting more food then harry's response is to just be like shaming him and talk thinking about like how fat he is and all this stuff which is just also extremely not helpful. yeah it's like bad kids eat too much and also mm-hmm. bad kids don't get to eat anything like there's no way to win there's no message that like you should eat the perfect amount of the perfect kind of food <laughs> it's like okay yeah mm. also how much a kid needs to eat is not going to be the same from kid to no. kid so, like, just because, you know, Dudley wanted more food in the morning doesn't mean that that's because he's, like, you know, too big or because he's just, like, rude and selfish. It just means that he wanted more yeah. food. If you want more food, if you're still hungry, you should eat more food. Always. Like, it's very simple. It doesn't have to have some deep meaning no. to it. And trying to put deeper meaning into it is not... It's dangerous for kids. There's no, like, there should be... It's a morally neutral thing, eating like yeah eat it's good for you yeah <laughs> and don't punish yourself with food because that's not going to help anybody and it's definitely not going to help oh. you <laughs> very nasty this chapter the return of this yeah. and it'll trickle into the next chapter but then we get to go to the burrow where there's going to be so much food and molly weasley's going to be like yo eat and we're going to be like yeah thank you Yes. Give me all the bacon, yes. give me the eggs, give me the kippers and the toast. I think she does say something about him being too skinny or something like that, which is also not a great thing to no. say to children. But we'll get there when we get right. there. <laughs> it's one of those things, There's even when you are doing something for the right reasons, sometimes the you can still do damage. So, And that's sure. that, that seems very true to Molly Weasley yes. in many ways. Um, so... For Accio fandom, um, I found this really sweet picture and uh, this really, like, 
it's this precious little portrait drawing of Harry and Dudley. And it's when they're shaking hands in Deathly Hallows. Um, I know we're not there, obviously. This is Chamber of Secrets. But I was just really struck by their relationship in this book. Because they have that little moment in the garden. Um, Mm -hmm. And they both, you know, they both suffer and live under the the rule of the abusive Dursley parents. And... um, their situations are not the same and they are cruel to one another. Um, Dudley sometimes more so than Harry. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, they, they, they're kind of set up to fail and where Dudley is like, you're the golden child. You're amazing. You better not be like Harry. You don't want to be like that weirdo kid. And Harry's the scapegoat. And it's just, it's like this relationship that exists in, like siblings sometimes when they're living in abusive households. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just am kind of like, you know, seeing that and acknowledging that, that that relationship exists and how lovely it is that I wish they had been able to reconcile sooner, but that they do it all and that we get to see it happen in the books. Uh, It's really sweet. And, you know, that's not something that always happens after you have like a, an abusive home and so it just it really warmed my heart seeing this look where they're like shaking hands and like there's this expression in both of their faces where it's like okay we understand each other here like we're on the same side and it makes my heart happy yeah i think that um actually i think that we had something about this in the last book because i think that we had a fan fiction that was about kind of if they had grown up closer and then there's another fan fiction about um a few years later um after um after the epilogue basically where they had kids and Dudley um came to Harry and was just like hey I have this kid and I think he's magical and Mm. um I can't go to my parents about it because you know they suck and I'm I think he's basically like cutting contact with his parents because it was so toxic for him as well And, um, they were able to kind of get together and have a better relationship, and it was very sweet. But, um, there's definitely evidence that both of these kids have a terrible upbringing with these parents, and I think that they have that in common, even though they're treated so differently. Definitely. Because it's... We'll talk about it more, but as cruel as Dudley is to Harry like Mm -hmm. this is you can't really it's very difficult to get the skill set to overcome your upbringing while you're still experiencing this kind of abuse Um, yeah especially when they're that young mm -hmm. they're very yeah and the kind that Dudley is experiencing you know like he is still receiving praise and is still being, you know, like, oh, you're the good one. You're so good. So obviously it makes sense that, you know, oh, thank goodness. I'm good. Like, I I don't have to worry about anything. These people love me. Okay, great. You know, that that Mm -hmm. sense of relief that comes um, in being praised, even when it is in comparison to somebody else, which uh, half the time it seems like that's why they're praising Dudley. They're like, oh, look at you compared to Harry. Yeah. So 
I suppose we can jump to social justice. Sure. Uh, we got we got some some problems in this chapter. Uh, <laughs> um, I would agree. I would agree yeah. with that. Well, I think a major problem was when Petunia attempts to murder Harry with a frying like, pan. Seriously, this is a KO attempt. <laughs> this is when you aim at somebody's head anytime. That's rude, but with a, a blunt object like a frying pan. I'm imagining like a cast iron. Me too. Like the, the heavy okay. ass shit that's like <laughs> still soapy after being scrubbed with the fucking like sheep wool. I mean, don't use soap on your cast iron. Right. But yes. But <laughs> important. Though, please don't don't do it. We will not be held responsible. That's another KO attempt. <laughs> that's a second biggest problem is she's washing that cast iron pan. How dare she? What's wrong with her? Disgusting. <laughs> it's called seasoning petunia. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that was a very blatant act of physical abuse, and I know that we're laughing. Like I know that we're making jokes about her not seasoning her pan, but like also she tried to murder a child. So let's talk about that. It's like <laughs> it seems like you know this feels like the kind of thing that's. I don't know that she's actually trying to land the blow. Um, right that doesn't make it okay no but like it just it just so the like how casually it's brought up in the text and how harry's just like whoop, gonna duck that like well had a duck you know what i mean like this this is just a normal part of life at the dursleys just avoiding blows from blunt objects uh geez louise not not a healthy environment for a child to grow agreed <laughs> i mean because it would it's not like he said um she swung it at him he moved away before she could hit him it said that he had to duck which yeah. means that if he had not ducked if he had been like looking away for a second or something he would have been hit in the head with a frying pan <laughs> like ah i just want you to think about how what it would take for you to swing a frying pan at the head of a 12 year old and then just imagine that, like, you could do that without anything, any, like, reasonable context. <laughs> like, you have to be messed up <laughs> to swing a frying pan at the head of a 12-year-old. Unless that 12-year-old is possessed and is, like, spewing, like, exorcism vomit at me. That's what it would take. That is if when it I was, would like, that. an actual zombie child and there was an actual zombie apocalypse going on. Right. Then, you know, sure, I guess. But. <laughs> it, hocus pocus, jiggly wiggly, you little shit. Like, and. I mean, she was scared for the life of her child. I understand that. Sure. Um, but there's also the fact that she should not have been scared for the life of her child. She should have. She should know by this point that being a magical person does not make you a dangerous person. Mm -hmm. She knows that... I mean, she does know that her sister was killed by a wizard. So she knows that they can be. But she also knew her sister. <laughs> um, I feel like she sees Snape in this moment. Like, she sees Harry as Snape dropping branches on her own head. 
and yeah. uh, and but you know doing that to Dudley and reliving that fear she felt and not wanting Dudley to, which I get yeah. that. But damn, you need you need therapy so that you're not going around smacking people with frying pans. That's not okay. Yeah, I think there's there needs to be some sort of like system set up for these people who are muggles but have strong ties with witches and wizards there's no reason there's there's no reason that these people should be expected to you know know how to handle you know their children or their sisters or something being magical and having powers that can like hurt them yeah and then just being left with that knowledge and not taught about it they Mm -hmm. should be given a lot more information and there's no reason that she should be afraid of this. Like, she should have been given more information so that she could be more comfortable with this. You know what? There's... I just read this book series where there is, like, a, a human that goes into the world of the Fae. And she has to wear, like, a necklace that will protect her from magic so that the like the children at their school won't be able to, like, you know, cast spells on her. And I, I feel like that's something that they could do to uh, definitely muggles who are going to come into contact with wizards, but like, maybe it's something that could be mass, you know, uh, put into a vaccine or something that lots of people are going to get so that muggles can't randomly become the victims of the imperious curse or, uh, you know, just, just so that they have some kind of protection specifically against magic, which they they have no way to defend themselves against. I think in theory that would make sense, but I also see if you look at the history of the relationship between muggles and wizards, mm-hmm. um, you can see why wizards don't trust muggles with something like that. Totally. They do feel a need to protect themselves from muggles, and they do feel a need to have... Um, a little bit of power if necessary over the muggles yeah um you can see it in the way that like the muggle prime minister interacts with um with the minister of magic mm-hmm. is that the prime minister is treated like an idiot who doesn't need to know anything really right um they i mean obviously they're very protective of magic um And if you go way back in history, you can see why is that, you know, non-magical people have tried to um, kill magical people without a whole lot of regard for their lives or reasons. Um, I mean, the witch trials are a very obvious example of that, is that, I mean, muggles would just feel the need to, you know, practice their own sense of right and wrong over wizards without having any sort of fair trial and um because you forget how many more muggles there are than witches and wizards yeah i think to protect them from magic would also take away um the magical community's protection from muggles yeah that's very fair that's very fair. Their ability to, you know, uh, conceal themselves. Well, mm-hmm. it would depend if, like, if you could design it specifically so that it's like you can still hide yourself or something. 
that would take a, a big um, think tank and I am it not have to be very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would not be able to be on that committee or advise them. I would just watch and learn. So I would love to be on that committee. Seriously. <laughs> um, but Petunia, you know, doesn't have, she has a reason, but she doesn't have any excuse. So, mm-hmm. um, she needs to she, she needs some punishment for the things that she's done but yeah um, I, there needs to be some like social services aspect to it I think mm-hmm. most definitely even if there's no legal things really um, mm-hmm. which there should be but even a step aside from that there should be some form of social services that is making sure that children are being raised properly yeah and safely most deaf because not just petunia vernon is also a shit with a capital s in this chapter yeah i I mean (laughs) they should they they should already know at this point that harry's been abused all of i mean even aside from the magical aspect of this All of Harry's teachers when he was in muggle school should have seen this, should have known to report something, Mm -hmm. because he was very clearly being abused at home and neglected. Yeah. So, I guess here, when the whole chapter is basically just, like, them talking about the Masons, and Mm -hmm. Harry thinking, uh, you know, doing chores, and while Harry is uh, listening to Vernon's plot for the evening... He does his little, you know, recitation of the, like, I'll be upstairs in my room, making no noise, pretending I don't exist. And, like, he seems to have that pretty well memorized already. Uh-huh. Unless it's just him making it up on the fly and being obnoxious. Um, yeah, smart ass. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, I, I feel like this is very toxic. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, I just the idea that pretending a child that you're raising from infancy doesn't exist seems like a, like the, <laughs> if you didn't want this kid to grow up a certain way, then there are ways to healthily raise that child to be closer to how you want them to behave. If they had treated him exactly like Dudley, he would do anything they asked him to do. He would have acted like Dudley. Exactly. Dudley adores his parents, does anything that his parents want him to do. Mm -hmm. If they had treated Harry like Dudley, he would have been like the child that they dreamed of. Yeah. They would have had two sons that they love. Instead, they treated him terribly, and especially in contrast to how they treated Dudley, it's so different. Mm Mm-hmm. That, like, they created, you know, this personality of not trusting the Dursleys, of wanting to backtalk them, of um, not wanting to do what he's told. Like, they made him that way. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. It's, it shows how little they understand about people. They're like, oh, no, like, he's going to be gross and terrible and just like his parents, so we better treat him like garbage. That's you know, that's going to help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Great solution. 
Yeah, that worked out really well, I think. <laughs> it feels all wrapped up with this this feeling I got about Dudley when I read this chapter. And I've never felt this way, but um in the, in this chapter after they've like had their breakfast, Harry kind of goes into the garden and it's his birthday and he's like uh the way Jim Dale says it, he's like happy birthday to me. Happy mm-hmm. birthday to me, all glum like Eeyore. <laughs> And then, like, Dudley comes out and he's like, hey, like, it's your birthday. And why don't you have any presents? Why don't you get any letters? Like, you're you're such a, even at your freak school, no one likes you. And obviously, this is a horrible way to ask this and it's not nice. <laughs> not good. <laughs> but I just... The, you know vernon and petunia didn't even say anything about it being harry's birthday and i just feel like dudley noticed that and felt like it was weird that harry's day wasn't even being acknowledged and it's this like little seed of showing that he cares and that he wants to connect with harry but just wrapped up in all of the garbage of how he was raised yeah i mean Obviously, it's not the best way to show that you see somebody. Right. Um. <laughs> no one likes you, freak. Like, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, but if you're raised into just seeing that constantly, then it's not entirely his fault. Mm-hmm. Dudley is still a child. He's very impressionable. Right. Um, but the fact that he does, like bring it up is a teensy tiny step beyond what the Durs or his parents do. Yeah. It's, it's hard to like give him credit for it because it's still <laughs> totally. bullying. <laughs> He's still being mean. Yes, it's still like just not good. It's very bad. But there is some effort there to trying to to see Harry and the fact that he even knows Harry's birthday. Yeah. It shows something. Well, he's like he is acknowledging Harry when Vernon just literally was like, "All right, tell me again how you don't exist." Mm-hmm. It you know like Vernon can. Ima- yeah. yeah, I mean, imagine on your birthday having to recite, "I'm going to pretend I don't exist." I'm going <laughs> to pretend I don't exist, and then not being fed, and then having this like beautiful cake made, but it's not for you, and you can't have any of it. Right? <laughs> what uh- a birthday! <laughs> <laughs> and and so in that context Dudley knows that it's Harry's birthday and that all this is going on and is mm-hmm. just wondering hey like you exist and you are a person so why does this look this way and yeah it is a step up from last year whenever he's like who would be writing to you <laughs> yeah and it's just like why isn't anyone writing to you <laughs> other freaks I guess <laughs> like yeah. uh, so yeah it's you know it's this chapter is so like so sad and nothing good happens so you just have to cling to the only little piece of hey wait a second <laughs> this isn't all you got tiny tiny straws right exactly <laughs> so let's not stop the misery let's get into chocolate with madame pomfrey um so we're kind of just like a lot of this chapter is just like a this is a reminder of everything that happened in book one and who this person is. But 
you know, we left off with Harry murdering Quirrell and Voldemort trying to kill him. And, like, it's Harry's, like, having nightmares again about Voldemort. And it just, it's so bizarre to me that nothing, like, in some ways, nothing has changed. Like, he's just, he's just home after this traumatic event. And nobody's checking in on him. Nobody knows that, like... Dumbledore didn't even send him a letter to be like, hey, you okay? Like, I know last year was a little rough. Anything on your mind? No, nothing. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Um, He doesn't even tell the Dursleys about it. I mean, obviously the Dursleys wouldn't have done anything about it. Right. Um. Or if they did do anything about it, it would just be like, oh, too bad he didn't finish you off or something. <laughs> um, which I think Harry jokes about at some point. Right. Of just being like, they'll be, they'll be sad to hear I didn't die or something like that. <laughs> which is horrible. <laughs> so not that they would do anything, but they still should have been notified. Yeah. I mean, I understand that they're not his parents and they make that very clear, mm-hmm. but they are still his guardian. He needs their permission to fucking go to Hogsmeade later on. Yeah. But they don't even want to tell them that their kid is being, like, hunted down by murderers. <laughs> that was just something that maybe all the students should have known that happened at this. Or all the, you know, all the parents. All the, yeah. All of them. Like, we make, we give a lot of flack to, to Draco for constantly mm-hmm. like, my father will hear about this. At least his got a parent that wants to know what's going on. Nobody else has any... <laughs> fucking clue what's going on <laughs> like of Hogwarts. course of course draco's father is like with the governors and all that shit because like somebody has to keep track of what the school is doing to his children right like say what you want about the malfoys but they they do care about they draco care, <laughs> they care about their child for a couple years yeah i mean that goes downhill eventually but like right Still, Even at then, least they don't want him to die within his first couple years. They, they like Narcissa saves Harry because, like, he's like, "Yep, Draco's in the castle." Like, you know, that's she lies to Voldemort to protect yeah, I mean, him. I'll give Narcissa all the credit. I won't give uh, <laughs> Lucius the. I won't give Lucius a lot of credit because <laughs> the Nazi patriarch he, of the family like, signs his child up to be a Nazi. Mm. But you know, <laughs> just normal parent things <laughs> okay so there's this genre of tiktok that feels really relevant to this um it's these really chaotic like people will make parodies of kind of um out of touch chaotic uh conservative moms <laughs> it's, it's like these parodies well they'll use that the audio it's like and and it'll be like it's their snapchat story be like (laughs) on the way to the talent show and it'll be like a clip of people driving and there's like a horrible car accident like on the way they're driving like absolutely horrifically and then they get to the talent show they're like little johnny's first and it's a little boy like on stage doing the like the the flossing dance really chaotically (laughs) And then, like McKaylee comes next. <laughs> like, well, we I, I got mad in line at the ice cream store afterwards, and it's a video of someone like yelling at somebody in a store, and like 
I just I want one of that for Lucius where it's him like so <laughs> out of touch like do 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 taking Draco school shopping and it's him in Nocturne Alley with all the cursed objects like like got into a little tussle at the bookstore and all the books falling down and him fighting Arthur I just I really want that I want I want it I want to see it. I'm like tearing up because I think it's so funny. <laughs> I'm like thinking about how to make that. And I'm just like, it would take hours, but I'm just like, I really want to do it anyway. Uh, but so Lucius Malfoy uh, cares about his child. He does. And I think that like, so imagine like Dumbledore sending that letter, right? Like a, hey, Harry, just checking in on you. And he doesn't get a response back for like a month. And he's just gets that Dumbledore feeling like, hmm, maybe I better look into this. And then he finds out about Dobby doing his Dobby thing, blocking the letters. And so he's like, you know, he's Dumbledore. I'm sure he could find a way to get the same information out of Dobby that Dobby gives Harry. Mm-hmm. So then they could have figured out, oh, shit, the Chamber of Secrets might open. Let's take some extra precautions and if Dumbledore had just reached out to Harry and tried to help him with his mental health, they could have saved everybody from being petrified. And it's all Dumbledore's mm-hmm. fault. It is. It usually is, but it especially is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Dumbledore should have been reaching out regardless just because he sent this freshly traumatized child home. Yes. Um to a family that he knew was abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I We talked about it, but it was very early on last time of the, uh, the letters that Harry receives for Hogwarts are all addressed to, you know, like the room under the stairs, the smallest bedroom. So like they are obviously watching him. They know where he's at. They know what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. And yet they're doing nothing about it. Yeah. So we know that Dumbledore knows that Harry's not in a great situation at home. Mm-hmm. Um, we can assume that he knows that it's neglectful and abusive, yes. but that is an assumption, to be fair. Um, but this kid is obviously traumatized, and he's having these nightmares, and he sent him home, and he should be able to tell pretty clearly, and the fact that he doesn't notice that Harry's being cut off from, like, the only support system that he has and that he worked really hard to create mm-hmm. over that last year it just shows that he is not taking care of any of the kids that he's in charge of and especially the ones that he really needs to be keeping an eye on like you know the one that you're training mm. to be a soldier to kill <laughs> the most notorious evil wizard that's ever been around yeah. except for maybe your ex <laughs> It, this is how this is how Voldemort's are made. Like it is. It, it's it just feels like I don't know if this is like cowardice. Like is this Dumbledore like too afraid to step in and try and do something, or or like that complete god complex or some. I mean both. Sometimes they seem to go hand in hand. But yeah, like it. Yeah, everything is Dumbledore's fault. Ask. Ask me any chapter, any time, any situation in the Harry Potter books, and I can tell you why it's Dumbledore's fault. Because it always is. We can always find a way to blame Dumbledore. Yep. Well, I mean, it doesn't... I mean, Dumbledore has 
planned every aspect of Harry's life at this point. Like, yeah. Dumbledore made every decision for Harry. So, <laughs> it's hard for it to be anybody else's fault. Yeah. Because he's... The... <gasps> <Blah, blah, blah. laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about that. <laughs> Agreed. Into the pensive, perhaps? Yeah. Cool. Um, Let's reflect. Yeah. Reflecting on this chapter, mostly I feel like it was really short and it made me kind of (laughs) grumpy. And I know it's just chapter one, so it's just a... It's always, it's it's like getting slapped in the face, like, surprise, nothing has changed, everything's (laughs) still bad. (laughs) Yeah. I was trying to think of, like, why... I didn't have like a lot of feelings about this chapter mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's one of those chapters that when you first read it you just kind of like skim through because you're like I don't care for this like this isn't relevant yeah let's let's get into the story um and I do love a good reflection chapter because it's good to review things when you're starting uh, you know the second book of a series because I knew several kids who did not start with the first book a lot of people did not start with the first book yeah. they started with the one that came out um, especially like younger kids, like elementary school level kids, you the first book is always checked out in the school library. <laughs> right? So you just read whatever one's available <laughs> in the school library. <laughs> um so I, I do like that there's a little bit of review, but it's just it seems like fluff scattered with abuse and it's just not it's not the intro to a book about a magical world that you want, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, let's list all of the terrible things, and then you can have the fun, happy book. <laughs> it's like, I just want a fun book. It's, and honestly, it it feels a little connected to the genre of, mm-hmm. like, low fantasy, where you have uh, the fantasy world mixed with the, like, the world we live in, where there's always this, like... I sometimes feel like there's it's really hard to write that sort of liminal place where you you want to be in the fantasy world but you don't get to be yet because you're in the the human world and mm-hmm. um so part of it I think is just a problem with the the way the genre sometimes works because uh that's fair it's hard but yeah also also, when you're a kid, you don't care about anything. <laughs> no, you don't. You're just impatient. And, you... <laughs> and regardless of genre, like we don't need to talk about anybody's necks at any point in any book ever. <laughs> I or diets. No, unless you're telling me about all the delicious stuff that they're eating. Like yeah, like if we're talking about like the cool ice creams at floor, like please, Dragon. If we're talking about cool ice creams, we're talking about the cool candies and. All those things and the magical chocolate frogs and things. Sure, let's talk about food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I always want to hear about food in that way and never in the way that we heard it in this chapter. Yeah, and it's because it's not just like one mention of it. It's like kind of consistent through the chapter mm-hmm. that it's brought up. Yeah, and it's I I can't think of a single instance that's brought up in this chapter that's not bad. No, but you're absolutely right, and it. 
there is this like uh, it, we'll just have to look because it's not done you know we're not done with the relationship with food and mm-hmm. we'll we'll have to see what that conversation turns into because uh it's it comes back and it, it comes back big and scary in the future books yeah, it does i think that um it's going to be interesting because a lot of the time in the last book there's several instances where it's like trying to acknowledge the fact that this was written in the 90s before um, it was kind of common to be educated about the problems with this kind of talking in front mm-hmm. of children. Right. Um, and I think this book is still within that timeline of you know being not quite in the time period where people acknowledged that you can't talk like this to kids. Right. And it was before the kids who were treated like this kind of grew up and everyone realized like, oh, they're fucked up because of this. Totally. Um, so that's kind of like, not really an excuse, but it's something that I was trying to keep in mind for the author mm-hmm. in the last book. And I'm trying to keep it in mind here. It's hard because like we just got through a whole book that had issues like that. Um, and it's not super great to get into another book and have it right off the bat. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I'm very interested to see the continuation of that throughout and if it gets any better at all. Yeah, or if there's a... I don't want to rule out the possibility that long-term there's a more nuanced conclusion. Mm-hmm. But my hopes aren't high. No. I don't remember anything significant Mm-mm. in that. I just, it seems like in the end, Harry is just, you know, well, we get the, we get the stuff in order of the Phoenix where Dudley's now boxing and mm-hmm. like, it seems like it just kind of fizzles out after that. And, um, and then you had the movies yeah. where Vernon is eating the ice cream, which was super weird. Like a very strange character choice. Because he's not doing that in the books. But, um, anyways. <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves, as usual. As <laughs> usual. Um, it's hard. This is like a, it's very much an intro chapter, so it's hard not to get ahead of yourself. Because you're, you're getting all of these kind of lead-ins to what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you just want to talk about what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And these, these chapters connect so much, because every single book has one chapter that's kind of like this. So Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm ready for Dobby next chapter. I'm ready to get silly and yes, drop pudding on someone's head. <laughs> I love just Dobby's way of handling problems. Right. Oh, let's let me take care of this. <laughs> I got this. I'm terrified, but I got this. He's uh he's trying. Mm-hmm. He does his best. He means well, and I feel like his intentions matter more than other people's intentions, so. I agree. So, thanks, everybody, for listening in to this discussion. And you can join us next week while we discuss Chapter 2, Dobby's Warning. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. We're Beyond the Veil Pod. On Twitter, we're Beyond the Veil MN. And maybe we'll make a TikTok. Yes, keep your eyes peeled the tiniest straws for like (laughs) 
tiny kitchens where you see on Facebook videos where they're making tiny lo mein um, <laughs> and they make a tiny boba to go with it. Um, exactly. That's, that's what they should have fed the Masons. Tiny lo mein. Tiny boba? Yeah. Tiny boba. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would want. Oh, that's what they feed Harry. <laughs> really is though oh, here's your dinner oh like <laughs> I, a teensy tiny plate with a teensy <laughs> tiny little, little silverware set bonsoir <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> just imagine like just a little doll food they turn the cupboard under the stairs into a studio apartment for harry and it's equipped <laughs> with an easy bake oven and like <laughs> That's relevant to something. <laughs> it's always in these miserable chapters we get so off topic. <laughs> it's like, oh, find something. <laughs> everything's terrible. Um, but tiny little baby.